Hello, everybody. Welcome back to the Fitter and Faster Coaches Corner. As always, I'm your host, Mike Murray. Today, I'm thrilled to be joined by our guest, Ellen Johnston, coming to us from Connecticut. Coach Ellen has been with the Water Rat Team in Connecticut for, I think, Ellen, what, over 25 years? Is that right? Um, we're going to go 35. I just hit my 35th anniversary about a week and a half ago, but who's counting? (laughs) Well, congratulations. It's so great to hear these days coaches who have been so loyal to the programs that they've been a part of. You obviously have added so much of your passion and your enthusiasm throughout the course of your life into that program. Talk to us what it's like to be so involved in a place that you care so deeply about when you may have had some other opportunities come along that journey? Sure. I mean, it was really just kind of by a fluke that I even started here with the water rats, you know, isn't that usually how it works? I uh, had actually been coaching in Maryland and I actually had a knee injury and had come back and did the old, I moved back in with the parents and I was swimming at the Fairfield Y kind of doing my own rehab and The lifeguard knew who I was. I'd swum with her siblings and said, Westport's looking for a coach. So I picked up the phone and called and thought it was only going to be a part-time thing and that, okay, I'll I'll coach, but I'm looking for something else. And I could say the rest is history, but it it kind of evolved from there from part-time. I worked with Bill Crum, who was the head coach at the time and head coach and head age group coach, which is a little bit of a different setup than most teams. And then I moved into the senior coach role. And over time, he and I kind of almost split the head coaching duties, if you will, but he kind of got to do all the dirty work. I just did some other stuff behind the scenes. And then he then left and took the job with USA Swimming. And I stepped in as interim coach, head coach. And then do you know how it is? Other people, a lot of fingers in the pot. Then to bring somebody else in, actually, and then uh, they left and then got interim head coach again, more fingers in the pot. And then, you know, they say the third time's the charm. Uh, But I did have other opportunities. But at the end of the day, I just had a tremendous group of swimmers who really trusted me as a coach and parents who trusted me as well. And when you have that kind of belief in what you do, I mean, it's hard not to be loyal. I mean, they're supporting you, you know that you're working with their children to make them better people as well as faster swimmers. And that's something that we really promote with this program. There's no doubt about that. Yeah, it's the, the, the premise is, is a faster swimmer doesn't make a better person. Everybody has an integral role in the team. And, you know, sometimes the, 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 the one that maybe doesn't make it to Y nationals, doesn't make it to juniors or seniors, has the, has the tremendous work ethic. And, and kids know what's going on in the pool. They know what their teammates are doing. And they're also like, oh, man, look at Mike go. He's there every single day. That, that's motivating. So I've been pretty fortunate. Certainly have been. And you've certainly made a name for yourself. And you've elevated that program while you've been there. I remember as an athlete, you know, not too far away in the Adirondack LSC, running into a lot of the athletes that you were coaching at the time. My freshman roommate at Rutgers was Eric Soria, who swam for you. And then now as a club coach and in my young days at Marist Swim Club, anytime I saw WRAT next to a kid's name in the heat sheet, I knew that athlete was going to be ready to race. You've done such a tremendous job. Countless YMCA All-Americans, countless junior national and senior national Olympic trial qualifiers over the years. What's one of the things that you think uh, coaching in why that's different from USA swimming, but brings a, a fresh approach maybe to it that we don't necessarily have as just USA swimming club coaches. Boy, I never really thought about why versus USA. I think I just looked at the fact that I had an opportunity to be with a, with a program that just happened to be associated with the YMCA. And uh, there's pros and cons to that, I guess in any way. I mean, yes, we go to Y nationals in the spring. So that is something that might open that window to a few more swimmers to qualify and race and race at a higher meet than is available here in Connecticut. Uh, Yet it's not the highest level. I still maintain that uh, we just go to the summer, excuse me, the spring Y nats. We don't do the summer Y nat meet because I believe in the USA meets in the summer that if you want to get somewhere, 
you need to go to those USA swimming meets, whether it's futures, juniors or whatnot, if you then want to be considered for something down the road. So I, I, I try to make it work, I guess, the best of both worlds. I was going to say that it sounds to me and from what I've seen in your program, you really are supportive of that USA swimming calendar in the summertime. And you can see why you've produced so many great athletes to go through that uh, scenario that you've created, that path that you have for your athletes. And you've done it in a way that also has been so supportive of the why with that spring national meet and the success you've had there. I think you were coach of the year in 2015 from the Y standpoint. So you've really been able to marry those two philosophies and it's worked really well. The other thing is you're in an area that has so many competitive opportunities for athletes that it creates this great atmosphere of racing. What's it like coaching in Connecticut inside of the Eastern zone? Well, I'm in Fairfield County, which is, and Westport is on I-95, which is really on the commuting line outside of New York City. And probably two thirds of Connecticut swimming athletes are in Fairfield County. It's, it's where a lot, I mean, sure, I can, I can get in the car and I can go 10 minutes and I can be at three different clubs. For the most part, there isn't a lot of change. There's not a lot, oh, I think this year I'll go to Wilton, this year I'll go to Weston, oh, I'll go to Zeus this year, let me go down to Darien, Charles. There, there isn't usually a lot of that, but there is some. Uh, we're like everybody else. We lose a swimmer here or there that, that sometimes feel the grass is greener. We have a culture here in Connecticut that I really think is pretty supportive of each other. You know, sure, you, you're on the pool deck, and I don't really see a lot of animosity amongst the coaches. And I know sometimes I hear about that with, with other LSCs and sure we're competitive, but I wouldn't be hesitant to, and this is what makes swimming so unique. Other than a dual meet, what other sport are you on deck and you interact with, with your fellow coach who's a competitor, but you could turn to them and say, Hey, Mike, can you look at this breaststroke? I've been looking at it and I'm having a tough time with it. And I can do that during a swim meet. Swimming offers that. And we have that here in Connecticut. And I was just talking with actually Emmanuel Lanzo at a meet the other day about the same thing. And that's something that I think makes it unique and that we have here in Connecticut. And uh, we're just sure you, you have an ego. How can you not? but your ego shouldn't supersede what you're trying to do for your swimmers. That's, that's your priority. Are, are the swimmers that you coach? I, I might've gone off on a tangent there a little bit. I'm not sure I might have. So. <laughs> we love tangents on coach's corner. That's where we get a lot of really good information, but you touched on something that I know that you and I as, as board members in the American swim coaches association are very passionate about, and that's sharing with different coaches creating mentorship opportunities. You mentioned early on uh, our mutual friend, and I'm jealous because you got to spend so much more time with him than I did in Bill Crum. And Bill was such an advocate for helping coaches learn and seminal role that he had at USA Swimming in doing so. Talk about some of the influence that Bill had on you and, and why it's so important for us coaches to be mentors um, and, and give back to fellow coaches who live within our area and inside of our own LSC, even if we are competitors from both a performance and a business standpoint? Wow. Uh, trying to think of how I want to answer that. Uh, you know, working with Bill was a great experience. Uh, I always, I joked that uh, we were, we probably inaugurated when they, when they refer to you, was it like work spouses? Because... <laughs> You know, we would definitely snap at each other. Isn't that what you do? And then uh, he sometimes could be a little neat. And, and I would purposely keep my desk messy because I know how much it, it annoyed he and actually our aquatics director. And they would leave notes, clean your desk up. And I'd be like, I just kind of shuffle the piles around a little bit. But Bill also was on point about things. He, he really enjoyed working with the age group swimmer. He liked working with that young developmental age that nine to 12 young 13 and then he had done the older swimmers but he just had no interest in that and so he and I would work with him a little bit and we just had a good progression we just he, I knew that when those swimmers came out of his program and moved up to 
mind, they, they had the basic skills. I mean, I really didn't have to remind them about streamlines. I didn't have to remind them about certain things. I could then go to the next level and work on additional skill enhancement. You know, okay, let's take that streamline. Let's really make that breakout surge a little bit more. And, and that's something we've carried over into our process here, our progression that we currently have. And I think that just worked really well together. There's no doubt. <clears throat> and, you know, when Bill was working with USA Swimming, he was always quick to remind senior level coaches about how important the age group coach was. Absolutely. And, and how as senior coaches, we need to make sure that we're supporting and encouraging that age group coach development. What are some of the things that you've done over the years at Westport to help your staff develop as you developed when you were a young coach? Uh, I can't say that I've really probably done a great job with that. Uh, so, and it's something that, you know, we, we sometimes just get caught up in time and uh, all of us kind of do summer clubs or I have a great assistant that she's also with the local college program. Um, I have assistant that's here. He does a great job at the summer club and it's something I need to be better for them to do. And I can't say that's definitely a weakness on my part as a head coach but we talk swimming. We, and I think that's important. It's not as if I'm not a micromanager and I trust what they do, but at the same time, we will talk about things and we make that effort just to, Hey, I've noticed this and what are you seeing? And I do think that we have good interaction this way, but that's probably something I know as a head coach, I need to do a better job for them. Sure. I'm not, I'm not shy about my weaknesses and things that I can do better. And I think that's something we all need to accept. And that's such a great point, Ellen. And I'm glad you brought that up. And we so appreciate how candid you are with that response. So what are some of the systems that you have in place that help you self-evaluate? Who are you relying on to tell you as the head coach, hey, we need to think about this or, hey, don't forget we have this coming up. How do you stay on track professionally? I think it's just being aware of what's going on around you. You know, I won't deny I like swim, swam. Uh, sometimes I try to reach out to coaches. Uh, just, I think there's just about having the conversation, watching. Just, I think you always need to be a student of the sport. And it doesn't mean to sit here that I, I look at videos all day, but I will look at splits. I will try to reach out and see what's going on here. Oh, how did so-and-so do? What are these meet results? What are we seeing? And I think it's just trying to make ourselves relevant about what's going on in the swimming world right now and just be willing to learn. I mean, you have to be willing to learn every day. I don't know it all. No way. And there's things that I know. I mean, I'll reach out and say, what do you think we're missing here? What do you think of this? I don't have all the answers, but I think the true test is the swimmer's happiness of coming to practice every day. And if they're coming to practice every day and, and want to be better, then I think that's what motivates us. And I think that gives us the the motivation to continue. We tend to be our own harshest critic. And sometimes I walk off deck and I'll be like, oh, that was not a great practice. And you have those. I mean, look, I can't sit here and say, I love being on deck every day. I mean, there's sometimes on deck and I'll be there and I'm going, this is just not going well. I don't want to be here. <laughs> I, we're human. I think we have to be honest and admit that. But at the end of the day, sometimes I just call an audible and it can just be random. I did that last week with the group. It was election day. I thought we were going to be packed. It was nothing. I ended up just kind of looking at the group. I broke them up into relays, mixed them up. They put fins on. I put the world records on. Everybody had to swim. They had to break the world record. How much could they break? You know, just kind of did something fun, totally random. They loved it. Came back the next day. Boom. Went back at it. I love and it. You have to, yeah. You know, I think we talk about pounding the yardage, but I look at what these kids do in school now. Sorry, I'm going off on another tangent. <laughs> oh, this, is, this is where the good stuff is. And I see, and, <clears throat> and they're learning stuff in school that I never learned in college. You know, I had a swimmer this morning. Oh, I got to leave early and go take a math test. Oh, what's it on? And it started talking about, I'm like, okay. I didn't even get that <laughs> college math. So I know academically they're being, they're just, it's constant. And this, this area of entitlement in Fairfield County is intense. And Sometimes I just, I look at them and I say, you know what, let's just, let's just work on turns and starts and turns today. Sometimes you just, you know what, you might've had a five to seven or 8,000 practice set. It's like, no, that's just not going to go. And you have to be able to read your, your environment. You have to be able to read the swimmers 
And then there's times you got to bring them in and say, you guys got to shape up a little bit. You just, it's just that awareness. Yes. I hope I answered your question. <laughs> oh, that was great. And, and it, it created another thought process for me. And, you know, you, you live in a demographic that is much more affluent than a lot of us uh, other coaches, and especially in the Eastern zone, you're probably right in the thick of the, one of the most affluent areas in the country. Uh, there is that thought this day and age, and we hear a lot about it in, in our profession and certainly in education in general, is this idea of entitlement, is this idea of student-athlete empowerment. Um, you know, they're very self-guided in a lot of ways, and in other ways, their parents are uh, uh, really on top of every single thing that they do. So what are some strategies that maybe you and the staff implement, other than what you just talked about, in terms of parent education and helping people understand that in this sport, whether we want to admit it or not, you have to have some patience with the process. That's what the great thing about swimming is you either make a time or you don't make a time. There really isn't anything subjective. Well, it's, it's like, well, why didn't so-and-so get selected to the soccer team? It, it, it's, you know, you either make it to a meet or you don't make it to a meet. And so and at the end of the day, if you don't have a work ethic, how are you going to handle life after swimming, after college? And it's tough because we are in, it, in, it, in that environment. You know, I refer to Westport as the founding town of self-righteous entitlement. And uh, people laugh and say, oh, no, we have it. I'm like, well, it's sprawled. And we're all dealing with that, not only here in Fairfield County, but I think elsewhere around the country. And it's a tough one. I think you have to stay true to your values of what you're trying to get the swimmers to do. Sometimes I just have to talk in a tone that's very calming because they come in stress from school. And then sometimes I have, they have to understand my tones too. They have to learn to understand when they've pushed a boundary and kind of go into the parents. You have to explain that as well. You know, we, we look to have an all parent meeting at the beginning of the year to really explain and then break up into the different practice groups. And usually those that come are the new eight and under parents. They know nothing about it. Then kind of the nine, 10, then the 11, 12, you might have a handful. And I, I was lucky if I had three or four senior parents, you know, they figured they're kind of, they're just lucky that they can kind of drop their child off and whatnot. But the, one of the things I tell the eight and under parent is if this is your first child, your first child's your experiment. You don't have any experience raising children. So your first child's the experiment and you'll learn from them and, and you want to make sure you do right. And by the time you get to second or third child, you're a lot more relaxed. You have a little more experience. And we just want to make it fun for them and just say, we're just teaching skills. It's all about development. Yes, we're a competitive swim team, but we want to make sure that that child at eight can do a dive, can do the four strokes, you know, can do a streamline and can smile and have fun. You know, so we don't have our eight nunners going hundreds of stroke. We're not trying to put, they're going to get to that point. You know, so then when they get to nine, 10, we have, a, we have about three different levels there. And then we talk about how we then enhance a little bit more of, okay, not only do you have to swim the fifties now, now we start introducing the hundreds and you have to understand the importance of kicking even more and just try to introduce that. And again, still development, how are their skills? Yes, so-and-so is faster, but they're nine, they're 10. We're looking at it in the process. Then when they get to our 11, 12 part of their program, yes, we start increasing the volume a little bit more, a lot more speed, developing that aerobic base even more, still staying true to skills, and yes, the racing and understanding how to racing. And we've been pretty successful in that. And then by the time they get to me, they have to be ready to really raise the bar even more and understand, all right, now I'm going to the big league, so to speak. Now it's like I've gone from kind of kindergarten to grammar school to middle school. Now I'm in high school and I'm all, and so it's just that process. And that's how we try to explain it to the parents. Patience. Patience with the process. One of the toughest things to teach parents because as parents and as a parent myself, you're very eager for your children to be successful, but there's no reason to try to rush that timeline. And we've all made that mistake as, as coaches and as parents. And I think it's one of the hardest things to learn, but what a great summation of how each of your developmental levels lead into the next 
And there's a certain amount of patience that's derived in all of those. So it's interesting to hear that. And, and I think super helpful for coaches to understand that. When you educate your parents, Ellen, outside of those team meetings, those initial team meetings, are you doing newsletters? Are you doing team emails? How are you keeping the parents in touch with what's happening at RAT? Well, every, every practice group, the coaches send out regular just notifications, touch base. I know within my own senior news, hey, this is what we're doing in the training. This is where we are. This is what we're looking to do. And then just kind of what's upcoming. Uh, what we're really going to start implementing a little bit more as we reached out, we're looking to get a, a nutritionist to educate a little bit more there. We, uh, we have actually going to do a, an alumni panel. We have an annual blue red meet, which is usually the Saturday prior to the holidays, the Christmas holidays. And we'll probably do an alumni panel and like, what does the water rats mean to you? How did it help you in life? What is it that you look back upon fondly? And so we're going to try and integrate that. Uh, I actually reaching out and having a, a current, uh, I'll, I'll throw a name out, Greg Troy is going to come in and, and kind of work with our coaches, myself, evaluate me even, work with the kids a little bit just to kind of, hey, if you want to go to this level, this is what you need to do. And I'd reached out and we're looking to have him come in uh, early in 2022 or kind of early spring, not when we have snow. I don't know if he wants to uh, <laughs> deal with that. So, I mean, we're trying to be, we have to be innovative, but I also want to be careful that we, we don't get away from the task at hand and that's actually swimming because in this era of technology in this era of this google generation where you get instant results if you don't have a work ethic it's it's something you need to have for life and uh you know it's it, it's just that that's so we just stay true to that again i think i went off on a tangent but i love it i love it and i love talking about coach troy because He's always been a, a mentor for me from afar. And when, when we've been fortunate to have him come visit us here, uh, certainly I remember uh, Matt Yako from your program, I think was Florida, Emily Fenn, maybe also when- He was Michigan. Michigan. Okay. Um, we had another summer, Ricardo Malari. That's right. He, um, he had gone to, he had, let, he had actually went to Bowles his senior year, then went to Florida. And uh, he was uh, went down and swam in Brazil, Brazilian nationals and all that as well. And uh, had a couple that have gone down there. I mean, because again, I think it's he, yes, we, we think of him as being that coach that really pounds the yardage, but I also know how he talks to his athletes. He treats them as people. And that's what we need to remember. You know, the commonality is, is we have all water rats, but within that group of water rats, everyone is an individual. And at the end of the day, I look at that I have to do what's best to, for the swimmer within a team atmosphere. And the parents need to understand that as well. You're a part of this team. You're a part of this water rat family. And it's I, not just about you. I, I think that's one of the things that I've most admired about you and your program, Ellen, over the years and, and watching your athletes. And when I'm at meets like you, I'm trying to be super aware of things that are happening. And I'm kind of almost in my own world sometimes watching what, what some great coaches do. But your athletes have always seemed to be very accountable for their own swimming. What are some of the things that you do to help them get to that point? I think they need to learn to be advocates for themselves. And they need to, so when the process comes, even time for college recruiting and whatnot, sometimes when I get that young 13, 14-year-old and, oh my God, I'm in the senior program, there's Coach Allen. And I'll be like, hey, how was school? Good. You know, they kind of put their head down and walk away. And it's, it's hey, what'd you learn in school today? You have much homework. You start engaging in the conversation. And then it's like, all right, look at me when I'm talking with you. Try to get them to make sure they have that eye contact. And then when they, I want them to, and I tell them right up, hey, I'm going to challenge you. I want you to be an advocate for yourself. I'm going to always counterpoint. I may agree with you 100%, but I'm going to play the devil's advocate role because if you don't know how to speak up and, and advocate for yourself and ask the questions and seek the information, nobody else will. So that's an important part of the coaching that we do as well. And so that that a swimmer can come up to me and say, I'm having trouble with this. What do I need to do? And I tell them, if your swim wasn't great, don't come up whining to me. You know, I don't want the woe is me. I want, what is it do I need to do? Not why, what? 
because that's what we address every day in practice. What do I need to have a game plan? What is your plan? And get them to be thinking, to use their head, to, to kind of get involved and understand that they need to be in it, not be a robot and being told what to do. I heard you say one time, and you're not going to remember this, but I remember uh -oh. this. I was at a meet at Wesleyan with uh, Marist Swim Club at the time. I think it was my first or second year. And uh, you were talking to one of your athletes and you said, you know, it's easy to know when you did a good job, but for some reason you have difficulty understanding when you've done a bad job. <laughs> and, and I think that that kind of encapsulates me like this is a coach that's teaching the athlete to be accountable for the mistakes that they make too. And, and you just spoke on that. Why is that so important? long-term for these kids development it's okay to make a mistake and i think in this environment now they have they feel that there's this this overlying layer of i have to be perfect all the time and there's times i've said to them and i said i owe you all an apology i thought it was this and it was this i made a mistake if they see that i can admit they made a mistake they need to understand that they can make a mistake now if it's the same one over and over and over again then we'll have a different discussion, but it's okay. And then if you're not, if you're not willing to be your own critic, then what are you getting out of this? Cause we are our own harshest critic, which I said before, what are you looking to accomplish then? If you're not willing to learn and understand that you're going to, you're going to trip and you're going to stumble. And then when you stumble, maybe I'll catch you or maybe I won't. And then when you fall, can you pick yourself up? Or do I need to pick you up? Or a parent, I've even told that to parents. And the, these are things that you'll learn as you grow. And that's a part of, you breathe off, you breathe three times from the flags to the wall. How many times in practice have I said, head down, flag to the wall? How many sets have we done from the blue line to the wall, head down? Why are we breathing? That's the accountability. You're not in, you're not in the moment. That's what they need to learn to do. It's, I feel like a lot of the logic and street smarts, if you will, is a thing of the past. And I feel like I need to kind of help them be broad-minded and open-minded about it. Yeah, let's talk about that because similarly, we have some of the same things happening here in Western New York. Uh, <laughs> you know, it doesn't matter sometimes how many times you remind them things are just going to happen that are going to happen. But you mentioned some of the rational thinking, some of the baseline commonsensical things that we seem to have grown up with in my generation um, have in some ways kind of been left behind. And whether or not that's a result of evolving culture or whatever else, I, I, I do see that there is some commonality among different areas of our country with the athletes who just seem not to pick up on those little concepts as easily as we may have. Um, you know, part of it in our program is I'm reminding our kids every single day, when you see a coach for the first time that day, say, Hey coach, how are you? Instead of walking into practice without saying anything in your head down. So we're seeing a little bit of that too. What do you think are some of the things that contribute to that? I think they've just become so regimented with the school. I mean, when they're doing six hours of homework a night, why? Why do they need to have so much homework? Are you really applying that in school? You know, these summer packets, I see the stress that they have a week, two weeks before school because they have this summer homework they need to do. Summer homework? I mean, I never had that. I'm of the generation that you know, Bill Gates, you know, college dropout, you know, did well for himself. You know, I, I think that they're so focusing on heavy duty academics that it's not allowing the young, the youngsters these days to just what's happening around you. How are you, where's your critical thinking? And I think that, I think they try to do it, but there's not enough of it. And it's all about how much work can we give you? And so they come in and they, they shouldn't have to be so regimented and feel like they're 
their it's the weight of the world of of that on their shoulders and that's why I just like hey how are you no just but at the same time I'm also kind of big on manners you know if someone's talking time out do you hear someone asking the question it's probably asking the same question that you're talking about so why don't we give the courtesy to your teammates so sometimes I miss manners if you will I'm big on that that's kind of one of my pet peeves <laughs> and if the swimmers watch this they listen they'll be like yep okay. uh i just it's just it's, it's kind of even learning social skills in a sense of being aware of what's going on and, and and they just you just have to kind of keep keep at it yeah there's no doubt about that and it's so appreciative that there are people out there like you who is reminding these athletes of those important skills and they're so critical when it comes time to being a professional and we try to remind our athletes of that all the time. Um, and, and it's great to hear that you're, you're out there and you're doing it. And, you know, hopefully we'll continue to see these, these kids develop and do the great things that we know they're destined for. But I think it's so important for so many young coaches out there to teach that accountability piece and, and make the sport their sport, right? There's so many times you might have a super talented kid. Your son or daughter might be super talented, but it's got to be kind of on their terms. And I've made that mistake many, 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 many times with athletes. So uh, it, it's refreshing to hear me hear you say that too, Ellen. Uh, one of the things that I wanted to ask you about was, you know, you talked about when you first see the athletes every day, you kind of know uh, how to approach them. And uh, our friend and colleague, uh, Alexis Keto out, out in Chicago area, Nutrier, she has this great phrase where she says, meet athletes in their space. So how long did it take you to develop that skill set to understand, okay, I need to be a little bit more individualized in how I greet my athletes every day? Well, that's a great, oh boy. You know what? I, I don't know. I do remember, and I wish I could remember what, it was at a clinic I heard somewhere. It could have been Bob Steele. It could have been Eddie Reese. It could have been... I don't remember, but I remember someone saying every day you need to make a point of talking to every swimmer. And I, I, I really, and there's sometimes, and at the end of every practice, we always, you, you know, before the high, we did the high five and now we do the fist bump, you, you know, if swimmer does not leave practice without having at some, have a good day, enjoy the rest of your day. You know, I now have swimmers that would say, um, they would say nothing. And I'd be like, Hey, have a great day, Mike. And then, okay. See you later, coach Allen. Hey, enjoy the rest of your day. Nothing. I'd be like, I will. I'll enjoy mine as well. I tend to be very sarcastic. So I have to be careful. So sarcasm with teenagers, they don't know if you're serious or if you're kidding. So I kind of like to have that gray area there, but I also, I think it's just, uh, I, I make that point of just watching their, their body language, their facial expression, and just, just staying with it. Hey, how are you? And uh, I, I know I'll do a better job today when I walk on deck after this conversation of, of uh, making a point of trying to talk to the swimmers. We have a new swimmer that joined our team this year and he has a bit of a drive. And on Tuesday, Thursdays, he has something after school and he comes in late. And, you know, it, it's sometimes you just don't get that one-on-one. -on -one. I'm like, how are you handling the drive? Because I think he has about a 20 minute, 25 minute drive in the morning for practice. And we're in the water at 515. And then he then has a drive that's just short of New Haven. So it could be another 25, depending on traffic, to school and then from school back. So he's on the road a bit. And it's just like, how are you handling all this? Are you getting enough sleep? He's like, yeah, I mean, I get a good eight hours of sleep a night. And I'm going, are you getting, what time are you going to bed? It's like, I'm in bed usually by 8.30. And like, are you getting your homework done? I think he's just one of these where it comes easily. But I hadn't had really the chance to talk to him. So sometimes you just, you got to find that opportunity. Sometimes that conversation just happens. What's the term this, these days? It happens organically. So I think. That so, is uh, term. <clears throat> yeah. So I think sometimes she's, and sometimes she's got to make that, that relationship. You've got to really pull someone out of the water sometimes. What's going on? You're looking a little off today. Talk to me. Uh, it's just, a great, great segue into my next question. And, and this was developed organically from uh, a conversation that I was having with a group of coaches last week. And that is, if you could ask a parent on your team one question, what would it be? And so we all went around and, and I was thinking of it. And I said, 
I'd like to ask the parents on our team, why do you have your kids involved in so many activities? And, and I, I'm not saying that from the standpoint of you need to be focused on swimming 100%. I'm just seeing, and maybe you are too, that our athletes are involved in so much stuff, especially from eight to 15. Um, and, and I say to myself, and I say in my own family, where is the time for them to just play? Or where is the time for them to just relax? Are you seeing some of that too? Yes, yes. And I think that was probably one of the, I'll say the good things that happened with COVID is when everything was kind of shut down and we were doing Zooms with the swimmers. And we're like, what are you doing? Oh, I played basketball. My family and I, we went outside. Suddenly there was a lot more family time. And a lot of that had been missing. And then we're probably seeing where maybe some people thought there might've been too much family time and trying to get back involved and get back into activities. Uh, I do think that, yes, they are involved in a lot. And I think now that as things have kind of come back to everything being open, we're seeing that again. I think in the sense that swimming was probably the one activity that a lot of people felt comfortable in, in sending their children back. You know, we were not someone that suffered. That's probably one of the great things of having been in the YMCA, that we were able to get back into our facility and that we worked so hard to keep it in a great environment uh, that the parents felt comfortable sending their children to the pool. And then now as more and more things open and, and whatnot. But uh, yes, they are involved. And I think at some point we just tell them it's great, but as they start to really get to that 14, 15, 16, they're probably gonna to need to really streamline that down as to what they're gonna do. And because they're not really gonna be able to excel at everything. And I think you just, you just gotta figure that out. You know, I don't want someone to really hit their peak at 12 or 13. You know, always try to have it where they have that carrot out there. And again, that patience thing and trying to get the parents coming back. You know, I was listening to what you were saying when you were leading into that. I have no idea what question I'd ask our parents. There's, there's too many. You know, there, there's too many. We, we have a lot of great parents that have really been very supportive of our program. And then, you know, you always have those few. Sure. But yeah. that keeps you honest. That keeps you honest, right? And, and, it, and it's important to have positive criticism from parents too. You know, I had a, a parent last week say, hey, Mike, uh, I know you're trying to get great work done, but it, can you not let them out five minutes after they're supposed to get out? Totally fair, right? And, and coach brain, you're like, I got this on paper. We're getting it done. But also... This kid's got a 20, 20 minute drive home. It's going to be 10 o'clock by the time he gets back. I got to be a little bit more aware of that stuff. So that's important too, right? Oh, absolutely. Well, you know, as we're finishing practice, I'm seeing the next groups come down. They're all staging up in the observation area, you know, so I'm, I'm seeing them set up there. You know, we're, we're done at 515 and I'm looking and I'm going, okay, um, they're coming down. I can, they can finish that warm down. And then sometimes I've just mistimed it. All right blow the whistle. We're done out. Uh, we just don't have that flexibility. <laughs> right. right. It's like, we're, we're like clockwork. We're out. The next group's in. Yeah. They're out. The next group's in. No, it's, you gotta, you gotta keep it moving. One of the things, Ellen, that I enjoy most about coaches corner is that, you know, so many young coaches are learning things about how having to start their career. One of the things that it has taken me a long time to get to the point as being just a USA club coach is kind of owning and running more of the business operations and having it be a full-time career. That's always been a struggle for a lot of USA coaches to get to that point. One of the benefits of being a YMCA coach is there's so much professional structure built in to being a Y coach. Talk about how that helped you early on in your career. Uh, again, I'm, I don't do a lot of the Y programs in the sense of a lot of those those teachings early on, actually ASCA was a big part of my career early on. And then kind of going back and working with Bill here. And even when I was coaching in, in Maryland, I, before I came back to Connecticut, um, 
I started, I, I started getting involved a little bit with the LSC. And I think in, in order to, you have to really be involved in your profession. And swimming is one of the few professions that you can be involved in and actually have an, Im, an impact in the direction that it goes. And you have to be willing to learn and watch on that as well. And I think it's just, I, I never thought that I would, I could fill the, the, day, the hours of the day doing swimming stuff. And if someone were to ask me what I do, I'd probably look at them and be like, well, I, I don't know, I just do it. And I think you have to be willing to just do it. You know, there's no instant answer, I think, to that. I think uh, you just, you got to be willing to get involved. You got to be willing to, to make the phone calls. You got to be willing to, to do the prep work, organization, all that stuff. I love it because, you know, a lot of parents when I was younger, my own parents would say, well, what the heck do you do all day? Now I'm like, there's not enough time in any day to get done what we need to get done, right? So your message, I think, to younger coaches is, look, you know, get involved in ASCA, get involved in hosting fitter and faster clinics, learn from our great clinicians, uh, you know, be involved in USA Swimming Governance. Is that something that you encourage a lot of the, the coaches that, that you work with to do? Absolutely. I mean, I would love it if we could, I mean, one of the things in Connecticut we have is no more than three people from a team on the board. So uh, I just finished, I'm ex officio right now within Connecticut swimming, but I've, I've been in a number of positions and I learned that working with Bill and he became the first coach general chair of Connecticut swimming. And then we've, we had uh, Rick Lewis after that. And then I was general chair and now Rick is back again, but I worked with Tim Murphy when he was technical planning, you know, we've had some great coaches in the LSC and I think that's how the relationships really develop. And we had a coach one time, he's like, you know, I really want to make these changes. I think age group should be like this. I said, well, then get involved, call the age group chair and see if you can be on the age group committee. And then, you know, if you want to see, see changes, you still have to see how the process is. I mean, we can look, think of how many times, and we're just as guilty of it. We can be couch coaches ourselves. I mean, look, I, I, I could watch a, a, a South Carolina foot on the Gamecock alums. I could watch the Gamecocks like what? Why? I remember watching Steve Spurrier at a game and did the same play three times and three times it didn't work. I'm like, come on. You know, we're all guilty of that. Why did Joe Girardi leave the pitchers in as long? You should have bought Mario in earlier. You know, we're all guilty of that. So we can look at, at how meets are run and like, well, why don't they make the changes? Well, get involved, understand the process, be a fresh mind and say, hey, I've been watching this for a season. I think we can make some tweaks. And the coaches have to be willing to put their time in. I mean, it's, it's, you gotta pay your dues and, and, and there's, and that's just it. You gotta pay your dues. And um, I'm not sure how many people are willing to do that. I'm pretty fortunate that the staff we have here, they are, they do. And, and, uh, but not everyone's willing to, they, they just want to get the accolades. I, I love that you mentioned that. And it's so important. It's so important in my life too. And you know, I, I was an assistant coach at Marist and Marist Swim Club needed a senior coach. And Larry said, Mike, you're not ready yet. You need to coach the eight and unders this year. It's the best thing that ever happened to me. Yeah. The best thing that, that ever could have happened to me. And then as he trusted me, I got a little bit more responsibility, a little bit more, a little bit more to where I was running the club at, you know, 25 years old. And that was unbelievable experience. But I had to coach the eight and unders and the, you didn't just jump, even though I was the college assistant, I wasn't jumping right in to coaching two or three junior national qualifiers. You had to learn how to do it before you could do it. And you're absolutely right. We see so many coaches these days become uninterested in beginning at that developmental process, even if they were great athletes themselves. Have you seen some of that also? Yes. You know, yes. Uh, I'd mentioned how one of our coaches does a summer club program and he gets in the water with them, with the younger ones to work with them. I run a summer club pool and for about six to eight weeks, I'm in the water teaching lessons. 
I can do it for that short amount of time because it, it, it kind of gets my brain and, hey, how can I get Mike to put his face in the water? How can I get how can I get Kristen to blow bubbles? How can I get Rob to kick their feet? It gets me being a little more innovative and being able to think quickly of how to get someone to do something. I think that's important. Now, having said that, I could not do that year round. And I admire those people that can do that teaching year round. And it takes a special person. I started as an eight and under coach when I was at the Fairfield Y in high school and, and did that and age group and worked my way up. You need to. You, you, coaching eight and unders, is just as important in being able to teach them as it is every group. And it's, I agree that progression is important in your coaching career as well. Yeah, no doubt about it, Ellen. And uh, one of the, the, the final questions that I have for you here that I'm excited to get your take on is, you know, there's, there's a lot that's changed in the swimming world over the last five years. Uh, certainly, you know, the pandemic has played a role, but outside of that, you know, we've seen the emergence of the ISL and pro swimming is starting to take off. Unfortunately, uh, we have seen, and, and I'm a casualty of it too, with uh, Division I programs cutting men's swimming. Um, and, and the last two years being a challenge for this year's junior and senior high school classes because so many athletes were granted additional years of eligibility. There's not a lot of room in college rosters right now, especially for the men. Uh, what are you excited about in the sport and, and where are your concerns? You're a coach who is a member of the board for the American Swim Coaches Association. You're involved at LSC Governance and USA Swimming Governance. What are you excited about and what concerns do you have? Wow. Uh, I think I'm excited that we're getting back to, to full-time racing. I mean, we're actually hosting a meet this weekend here and it's the largest meet we've run and that's exciting and thrilled to be able to offer that know that we're going to have that kind of competition so i'm thrilled with that um, the concerns i have is that we're going to rush into things because things are are coming back on let's make sure we're taking care of all of our our athletes all levels and i think there's there's a little bit of an impatience because people are oh we lost so much we all did whether you're that sophomore moving into that junior, senior year and the recruiting process, I get it. I'm also a believer that you can only control what you can control. And this was something that was beyond our control. And, and yes, you got dealt a bad hand. How are we gonna work our way out of it? Sometimes there's just not answers to everything. And sometimes you gotta figure it as you go. And that's, that's kind of how I operate. You know, I, I try to anticipate when I walked out of here on March 12th of 2020, in no way that I think we would have been out of the pool for three months. And then again, right around Thanksgiving of 2020, that we would be even in tighter restrictions. I mean, I never could have predicted that, but okay, what do we need to do to make it work? And that's what I, that's what I, that's how I operate. What do we need to do to make it work? What do we need to do to make, how can we make it better? And just kind of take it from there. And again, I probably went off on another tangent, but. No, it's very good because I, people need to hear it. You know, I feel very lucky that I get to learn from you more, than, more often than others because of our interaction on the ASCA board. But I do want to ask you, why is ASCA important to you? And why is it important for young coaches and coaches everywhere to come back? You know, we've made a lot of changes over the last year and a half. Um, I think that ASCA is you know, headed to the moon. I mean, we we have got some great new programming, but maybe talk about why it's been important in your life and development as a coach and, and what you're looking forward to contributing with ASCA. Sure. I wouldn't be where I am right now without ASCA. And we're talking back into the mid eighties. Again, I'm dating myself. And yes, it was snail mail when I would get the job, you know, I would mail in my resume and then I would maybe get a phone call. That would be a landline, people. It wasn't cell phones. And uh, then I would mail something back. So um, it was having sent my resume in. And I worked with John Mason at that time, a Bulldog Swim Club out of Bowie, Maryland. And he hired me to be the head age group coach in the mid-80s. And that was through ASCA. And I went to a couple of the ASCA clinics. And then when I came here to Westport, uh, again, I felt the education was important. And that was working with Bill Crum. And then I will say at some point, I, I felt ASCA had lost its direction. I, ha, I just, I, I wasn't, it's not that I didn't believe in it. I just, I felt like it wasn't offering what I needed. 
And I wasn't a member for a number of years. And then we went to the Cleveland Clinic as a staff. And uh, because a number of new coaches on staff, kind of new, new coach, new facility. And so we went as a staff and that had, that's the last clinic I'd been to. And I hadn't been a member until then. And then when I was approached to be on the board, I really listened actually was Mitch Dalton. I had a, a number of great conversations with Mitch who was really explaining the direction that ASCA was going in. And I thought that was great because again, I wouldn't be where I am today had I not used ASCA. I don't even know if I'd even be coaching. So I believe that my, my footprint started way back then. And so I believe in a professional organization to support all of our members and being able to enhance our own skill level and what we can do to make ourselves better and our profession and the sport itself better, ultimately our swimmers. And I like the directions going in. I was fortunate to have that great conversation with Jennifer. I think she's doing a tremendous job. Uh, she's got a lot on her plate. She seems pretty even keeled and, and I'm still learning help wherever I can. I think it's going to take me a couple of months to really understand how the board works. I, you know, I don't want to jump in and say, I think we should do it this way, that way, because I have no idea. I want to understand the process. So hopefully I can be a, a valuable asset. Well, I'm excited to have you. And I know that there's going to be great contributions and you're already contributing just by being a member of it with your experience and your knowledge. So we're very excited. And Ellen, we wish you all the best of luck this season Good luck this weekend with the meet, the controlled chaos. We we had a uh, we had our first meet, uh, and it was the biggest meet we've ever had. Again, we're we're one of the only ones hosting, uh, so we're in a good position. But uh, I know how hectic that can be, and how much work goes into it. So, uh, all the best to you. Uh, hope you have a great season. This episode of Coach's Corner will be available Friday afternoon, and it will be on Spotify probably Thursday evening. So. We'll make sure that everybody gets all the links to that. Ellen, if people have questions for you and they want to get in contact with you, what's the best way for them to do that? Uh, probably via email. And that's E Johnston, E J O H N S T O N at westporty.org. And uh, I'm more than happy to talk with anyone if they're interested. But Mike, thank you very much for including me on this. This was tremendous. I appreciate you reaching out and including me in, in part of your podcast. And wow, I'm going to hit Spotify. That's pretty cool. <laughs> and so uh, I feel like I've hit the big time here. So thank you very much for including me in, in this. Thank you. Well, I, I always think to myself, who are the coaches that I, that I seek out when I get to see them on deck? And I said, you know, I haven't gotten Ellen yet. And I always do that when I see her at meet. So uh, thank you so much for coming on. Well, thank you very much. I appreciate it. And we'll see you on the deck sometime soon, I hope. Sounds great.